Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello! Oh, hi, Jenny. That's weird. I think we're at the wrong podcast stop, but we um, do not belong uh, here. We don't. This is not our podcast, but we are actually here up at the front, all four of us. Um, we are here, Jenny, myself, Morgan, and Latoya, with a brief message. As I'm sure most of you who are listening to this podcast already know, there's a super big and very important conversation happening surrounding the toxic environments created by Joss Whedon on the sets of Buffy and Angel. And other places, this is far from the first time that we have had and heard conversations about Joss's actions, uh, most recently and notably from Ray Fisher on the set of Justice League. First and foremost, we want to say that we stand with Ray Fisher, Charisma Carpenter, Michelle Trachtenberg, Amber Benson, and everyone else who is speaking their truth. We know that while much of this sadly doesn't come as a surprise to those in the Buffy, Angel, and Marvel verses, the specifics and details shared by Charisma are new and the chorus of voices has gotten larger. We want you to know that we will continue to be here to do our best in processing this all together, something that we have been doing since nearly the start of this podcast. Yes, we're very thankful, again, a thing that you likely know, to have this community, to keep having these conversations, and we very much believe that these universes are created by a lot more than one person. Also, it's important to let you know that this episode of Angel on Top was recorded before Charisma's statement came out. So um, Latoya and I might have discussed this episode slightly differently, given that it's about Darla and her pregnancy and Cordelia's support of her in solidarity, given her own experiences, both as a woman and as a you know person that's been pregnant before through supernatural means. And we just want you to know that... Uh, we're listening and we care and that Joss's behavior is unacceptable. And just one final note. Fuck Joss Whedon. Yay, yay. Welcome back to Angel on Top, a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of Angel one by one, spoiler free, and in tandem with buffering the vampire slayer. I'm your co-host, LaToya Ferguson, a.k.a. the Cordelia Chase of the Buffering Verse, a.k.a. Bones, a.k.a. one half of the Gun Squad, a.k.a. Theodore K. Mullins. And I am your other co-host, Morgan Ludich, a.k.a. the Winifred Burkle of the Buffering Universe, a.k.a. also Bones, a.k.a. the other half of the Gun Squad, a.k.a. Frank Skabopoulos. Welcome to the show! (laughs) And this week, we're watching Angel Season 3, Episode 7, Offspring. Offspring was written by David Greenwald and directed by Terry Meyer, iterator on the WB, on November 5th, 2001. This is the one where, after a few episodes of Darla Tags, Angel's baby mama finally arrives in town. did you like the episode i did yeah this is a good one it is a good one and uh because i know that you are technically so you're obviously following uh, along with season three to to host this Mm -hmm. but also you are catching up and you're in season two right now and i was like does this episode kind of make you want to just like go ahead? Cause I know I kind of want to just go like full steam ahead with the rest of the season after this episode. Yes. It was hard to be like, okay, I can't keep watching, but also keeping the two continuities together in my mind like helps because I am also so hooked on where I am in season two of angel right now. Like where I am in my, you know, current rewatch of the full series. Uh, Darla has just been turned into a vampire by Drusilla. So I'm, you know, screaming, I'm climbing up the walls, I'm going absolutely mad, um, along with my viewing partner, Michael Jason. So it's, um, 
that's the thing that's keeping me and also recording the show with you. You're, you're basically catching up to uh, the reason why Angel's in this predicament. And uh, you said that before the recording that you had no memory of uh, the character Holtz from uh, your initial watching of the series. I I like have the vaguest. I'm like, oh, right. There is a dude and it's, he's from the past. Like I believe i forgot that he comes back in present day i i yeah i've not a lot of memories there no thoughts head empty <laughs> uh just for anyone who wants to be a nerd uh we first saw holt in a flashback uh, in the season three premiere heartthrob he you know he was chasing after angelus and darla and then james and elizabeth were also in tow at that time james uh is the reason why they got caught again basically while the girls were away and we also know from the trial which is an episode you recently just watched in season two mm-hmm. um that angel and i'm sorry angelus and darla were running away from holt and darla that's where she abandons him so yes. that's yeah that's what we we know he, they killed his family and all that fun stuff yeah whoops <laughs> a little whoopsie and he's chased them all around the world he what they went to Africa. This guy took it real personal. You slaughter his family, and he just like will not let it go. Everyone in the vamp crew, Angela's fashion, uh, they do something dumb, and it all comes back to blow back on Angel because Darla decides that they should let Holtz live because it's fun to torture him, and because of that, this man can come to the future. Honestly, so messy and iconic of her, though. Like, I love it. I love Darla. Um, what a what a hot bitch. I, <laughs> I, I can't. I don't know how else to say it. I. She's just. She's hot and she's a bitch. And I mean that in a positive way. And I mean that in a negative way. And I mean that every way you can think of. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm in awe of her. She is uh, one to be in awe of. Mm -hmm. A couple more notes before we get into the episode, really. Uh, Something I always note, as you know, I am an expert on uh, the WB's image campaigns. Mm -hmm. Just to show you how awesome Julie Benz is, and I think we all agree here. Mm -hmm. um, She was like, this this obviously aired 2001. She was part of like the WB image campaign for 2001, despite not being a series regular. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, I I wanted to show you that uh, before, but I could just show you that afterward I'm recording because... Yeah, she's just there. Rules. She's there with David and Cordy, I'm sorry, and Charisma, I mean, <laughs> and Tom Welling and Kristen Kruk. Ooh. Joshua Jackson, Eden's Crush. 2001 WB. Pretty good stuff. Pretty good Ooh. stuff. <laughs> and then just the last bit of business before we get into the episode. Um, this episode is titled Offspring. Uh, I was thinking, should I sing some songs by the Offspring in this episode? I will not, but I will... Um, Based on the, the, the offering songs I know, I will adjust uh, lyrics slash titles to make it uh, applicable to uh, this episode of television. So uh, please bear with, as I say, and all the girlies say, Angel's pretty fly for a dead white guy. <laughs> Cordy, are you doing okay? You're going to go far, Angel and Darla's kid. Got to keep them separated. Um, is Fred and Wesley. And come out and play, gun. Or gun out and play. okay i'm done congratulations on all of those previously on angel the host reads their souls uh you see angel rudely kicking darla out after sex very rude (laughs) rude uh you have a shaman telling uh, darla that this baby is not meant to be known and then she's like time to go visit daddy (laughs) and uh this is where i can say that unfortunately the peas the previously are not on hulu we need to reclaim previously an opening credits culture uh this is offensive so like Honestly, such an important part of all this shit. Like, even if there was like a skip the previously's button, like there is like on Netflix, like that, I I would love to have the option. And I definitely need it for like every Bravo show when they go back into the mythology, because I have no idea what's happening. Everyone's faces blend. (laughs) And also all of their faces have been changed over the years. Yeah, I need to remember what kind of face shape someone had when an event took place as opposed to what face shape it is now exactly rome 1771 we're we're in a sewer in the past and it still looks cool (laughs) angel stays having the coolest sewer sets and i love them 
Mm-hmm. Fred was right. They all look cozy. Let's move to the sewers. This sewer had a lot of like water and rats and cobwebs. It looked less cozy. And I was like, hmm. I was like, what kind of iteration of Angel are we dealing with here? Because he looks way less comfortable in this sewer than I know my boy to be. <laughs> we, we've still got some time before he is, uh, you know, hanging around with the rats, his, his best friends, <laughs> which... Uh, I, I noticed because when I was like doing all the chronology, basically that that's uh, one of the cool things and reasons you do as an angel spinoff. Because basically, when Drusilla and Spike came into the picture for Jolly and Angel, they'd already had like a hundred years under their belt. So like the show, this show is accounting for like those hundred years, basically with its flashbacks. Because all you really see in in Buffy is uh, Darla turning Angel, and then we we fast forward to them being with Drusilla and then with Spike. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's nice to get, like, all of that cleared up and to have a sense of, like, what it all looks like. I would love to see a linear timeline of everything, which I'm sure exists. It does. Thanks to nerds. It, it's a long one because it also, like, includes comic canon, too. Oh, shit. Well, that's yeah. going to be a lot of stuff then. <laughs> and, yeah, because usually when you see a, a frantic flashback angel like this, you just you think he is insult. But, nope, this is Angelus looking not so cool, baby. Not so fly for a dead white guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, dudes are chasing him with torches and crossbows, so they know what he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, enter Holtz with his uh, cool 1771 sunglasses. <laughs> uh, cool is being a relative term here. I mean, they're cool for 1771. Hell yeah. They were, they were on the, like, the cusp. This was brand new technology. You're right. You're right. I shouldn't judge. We're getting some revenge uh, because, you know, killed his family. So he, this guy is no chill. Like he cannot hang. And I, I, I've yet to find anything that like exciting or redeeming about him to latch on to. How do you feel about this character? Because I, so far I've found him like a little like generic guy who doesn't like Angel. Like, of course, you know, killing a family I- is wrong, but. Jesus Morgan, no sympathy from Morgan Ludich. <laughs> Look, it's, it happened. No, uh, it's not that I don't have sympathy. It's just I, I'm I'm looking for something like specific or interesting about him because you know Angel killed a lot of people's families, I'm sure, but this guy just has the you know the unbeatable spirit and desire to keep seeking vengeance. But I've been waiting for something about him to kind of stick for me. I will just say. Well, it seems like he'll be around, so maybe we'll get more information about why he's, he's you know, he's not just getting over the death of his family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Angelus, who, you know, we saw running away, he was trying to, he's back to cracking jokes, talking about Holtz's wife uh, being a hearty screamer. Ugh. You know what? I think possibly, has his accent gotten better? It's still not good, but has it gotten better? I think maybe a smidge better, yeah. And I think also he's, like, downplaying it a little more. Like, he's throwing it away a little more, and it's gotten a little better, which is a good good combination. Got torture o'clock happening. Because mm-hmm. uh, it, it seems uh, he, he wants to know where Darla is, basically. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, here she is <laughs> to save the day. She, she brought uh, some, some fodder. She brought some vampire fodder to, to save the day. Sorry, it took me so long, darling. Kill them. Yes, I love her girl gang, and I love their flaming arrows. That rules. I wish I could roll in that, like, dope girl gang. <laughs> Except for the whole <laughs> not having a soul thing and killing people, which I am against. Uh, but it, the aesthetic, I do love. <laughs> Well, once you join the girl gang, you wouldn't care about you know, not having a soul and killing people. So there you go. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, um, there is one thing that I uh, noted when uh, Holt is uh, doing the torture. He says, Angelus, you're a demon. It is your nature to maim and kill. But you were also once a man. If we beat and burn the demon out of your living flesh, will there be anything left? Anything at all? I doubt it. But I'm willing to spend the next fortnight of my life finding out. In either event, you have no soul. You cannot be saved. I uh, wrote in my notes, basically, put all of that in your Shanshu prophecies. Because that is a lot of, you know, what we talk about with Angel in general. You know, now he has a soul. Mm-hmm. And th- his old question is, can I be saved? Am I a righteous man? You know, uh, <laughs> the immense speech. Mm-hmm. And I would say he's a righteous man. What I do you would, think? I would say he is trying very hard to be a righteous man, which makes him one. Like, I, I believe, like, Buffy, that, like, trying is hard and it is every day. And it is the idea that, like, as long as he's putting forth the effort and cares and is 
willing to question himself and willing to look deep within and try to always do right that he is doing a good job and i like i think i i'm i'm pro angel i think he's a good guy uh 10 out of 10. first morgan is pro angel <laughs> on this podcast um and you know holt's asking if we beat and burn the demon out of your living flesh will there be anything left well unfortunately for you holt like the romani like they they found out in 1898 it's like they you know, they beat the demon out of him and they gave him his soul. And he basically was, they were trying to make him uh, sink. He, and he, you know, he was living in the sewers, eating those rats, his favorite, his favorite pastime. Yum, yum. It worked for a while, like for quite a long time. He was a defeated husk of a person. I was just going to say husk. Uh, but yeah, like I said, um, Darla rubs it in, uh, they they basically fuck in the back of a carriage and leave Holt alive, which shouldn't left him alive, girl. Dumb, but very hot of them. <laughs> like like many things they do. Dumb, but hot. <laughs> Dumb, but hot. Mm-hmm. Then L.A., present day, uh, Darla has taken a bus. She chomped on a couple of people on the bus, which is apparently a Code 12. Mm, yeah, a bunch of, uh, when someone eats a whole bus, that's a Code 12, I guess. We have our coach for everything in LA, <laughs> but uh, very spooky stuff. And she makes does she, doesn't she make some joke about like LA transportation? Which I would just like to say, LA public transportation is not as bad as it gets a rap for. I would give anything to be on an LA subway right now and for it to be safe. Um, but then we we cut to our theme, right? We do. I'm not singing. Um, <laughs> Cordy is putting fake flowers in the basement to brighten it up. And it's really cute and sweet. And Angel says, I've never known anyone like you. And I write awe in all caps in my notes. Yeah, geez. He is making hard eyes at heart eyes at her here. Like, yeah, he is he is all about Cordy. And it is very cute. And here he's teaching her uh, how to, to not pull her punches and kicks. And she gives him a big old punch. Oh, my God. This was so cute. I did not know how to handle it. And when he is like, you can't hurt me. I'm a vampire. And then he looks away and is like, ow, and is like straightening his jaw out. I was like, that is my girl. And that is my boy. I was very into it. And it was nice to see them in such a light, like, really like romantic and bubbly scene. But if you know what show you're watching, you know that means something awful is about to happen. So so much sweetness uh, up top. Cordy says that uh, Angel's offer his game because apparently there's a prophecy that Wesley and Gunnar are trying to get right now uh, that might suggest that the end is uh, near. And, you know, Angel's like, there's always some ancient scroll, which is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's he's seen uh, three in his very long life. Cordy guessed four. I love that joke, by the way. I enjoyed the all the prophecy translations in this episode. I like the nerd shit. <laughs> so many, but it's uh, it's fr- it gets frustrating, and it will continue to be frustrating. So, I just I like the commitment to the like academic nature of everything, and the idea that like Wesley really does have to do like a lot of hard translating work. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that the show is is all in on that and is not going to shortcut it. I enjoy that. <laughs> The Niazian scroll is what they're looking for. Um, also, Angel is possibly swelling. <laughs> um, so then we go with um, Gunn and Wes to their little heist, correct? Yes. The little B&E. Uh, Wes has his B&E kit. I love one idiot. Um, he's so... Like, you know, we see Wes. He seems like... He's back to essentially being his old self after the events of Billy. Like they are very fine playing the character for comedy again. Well, it's it's at first it seems like he is back to his old self, but he's not back to his old self. Oh yeah, he ends up like showing some side effects, especially like around Fred. But like he is fumbling and bumbling, and Gun always he has like a, a glass cutter he's setting up when gun walks in the suction cut like when he can't get the suction cup off the window and that's kind of like the button of the scene so good what a like a pink panther ass goofy <laughs> boy and i and i love him <laughs> uh, it's such a goof but yeah they're looking for this scroll. they're going through this mystical vault uh which has a bunch of stuff and then here comes a dude with a large revolver Uh-oh. 
Yeah, I hate when that happens. <laughs> Always happening to me when I'm doing my cool heists. Yeah, uh, Wesley's like, uh, you can't call the cops because we'll tell them about all the GHB, which he doesn't have, but apparently there's a mystical thing that is very similar to GHB, and for some reason Wesley knows that. That, I was just like, wow, you are really up on your shit. Like, I, I, was, very, I was very impressed by um, how quickly he was uh, able to work on his feet there. But uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that works, and the guy is freaked out, and then gun does a little bit of juggling <laughs> it's hot i'm just gonna say it it is because it's done with such confidence and i am just so proud of gun and he does not only does he juggle but he appears to drop one and then does a hacky sack trick like he's freddie prince jr and she's all that and he can't let it slip never let it drop amazing I uh, lost my mind and um, he lets one shatter to intimidate this guy and they end up letting um, they end up getting to take the scroll which yeah he's like we're not thieves we're investigators they just want to borrow it they'll probably end up destroying it because that's usually what happens they're they're not good at taking care of things no but uh, but but I, I think it's for the greater good that they have it still. Yeah, yeah. He this dude doesn't need it. He like he's clearly just a collector of things. He doesn't need this. Yeah, he's got enough of his weird GHB and um, tiny glass magic balls. <laughs> <laughs> you know what every every warlock needs. <laughs> Fred uh, walks in on Angel and Cordy trading, which uh, they do a little bit where it seems like there's sexy bending happening. Oh, my God. Very down with love of them uh, to do this wordplay. But it's uh, and Fred being like, hmm, she's so cute. I can't I can't handle her. And this is when Cordy also reveals that even though she has kind of like you know, punched Angel in the face and made him feel awful. She also is like so sore and in pain from all of the training. And I adore her. Good for you, girl. (laughs) Fred says the word chirumption. Which is the like one of the only Pylian words she remembers that's nice. (laughs) What's it mean? It's when two great heroes meet in a field of battle and recognize their mutual fate. Uh, And when she sees Angel and Cordy sparring, that's what comes to mind. She calls uh, Cordy a hero with the visions and the courage. And it's really sweet. It's so lovely to see Cordelia through Fred's eyes. Like, I mean, just by nature of, like, having more than one woman on your show. Like, I mean, you know, there are other women on Angel, but they haven't been on Teen Angel. So the idea that, like, there's another girl around who can just, like, appreciate how wonderful Cordelia is and how strong and resilient she is and, you know, find herself, like, find her own strength in a completely different avenue. Like, I mean, that's why you should always have more than one woman, more than one person of color, more than one queer character, all of these things so that you can have people admire their strengths and, like, weaknesses and differences and stuff like that because it's so... It feels so much more like lived in and wonderful to see Fred in awe of Cordelia than it does, I think, for the boys sometimes. Sorry, boys. Get out of here, boys. But it's also different with the boys, too, just because they, like, known her longer. So it's, like, a different kind of, like, basically Fred's only seen her as a hero kind of fully formed, whereas with them, they're, like, seeing her, they've seen her grow over the years, you know? Absolutely, yeah. They 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 have this perspective on you know where she started, whereas for Fred, she's only been like the vision girl who's like you know completely self assured, and uh, that rules because I, I I like people seeing Cordy as just exciting as she is. So, ugh, yeah, my girls. Uh, she says because of this, it's only natural that uh, Angel and Cordy would be drawn to each other, and then Angel starts being weird. <laughs> Fred gets distracted by flat plastic flowers, which are her favorites. Uh, because Fred. they never fade. That's so like I love math because it's the same in every country. Like Fred, can you ever tell us a happy thing without it immediately becoming sad? <laughs> and then yeah, Angel's like nothing between us, and she's like nothing but Moira. Mm. <laughs> Who's Moira? And I just want to say, baby. <laughs> Where is Bebe's chamber? Um, <laughs> but yes, Moira is the gut physical attraction between two larger than life souls. And then Angel gets like really like, oh no. He yells at her to stop saying that word, the mm-hmm. uh, chirumption. And that's when Wes comes in. And this is when we, we get very upset because he's like, I believe Fred's been through enough uh, without people shouting at her. 
Oh. And it's it's so it's something very much, you know, like with his heart in the right place. And like obviously Angel didn't scare Fred or anything, but like the idea that Wes is still so sensitive to that and still like hurting and dealing with so much guilt is a real bummer. Like, I mean, I think it proves that he's a good person who really tried to like take this experience and not like swipe it under the carpet and to like think about the way he treats women and to think about whatever he has internally, you know, whatever the spark it was that like Billy's magic set aflame, wherever that comes from and, you know, deal with it. But ow, uh, it hurt me to see for sure. Yeah. And like when she just says, you know, you didn't mean anything by it. Like just Wesley still, he's, he's not well. Yeah. He's not, he's still hurting from this. Yeah. Yeah. And then he asks Angel who gave you all the flowers. Nobody. (laughs) Uh, I love when they I love their goofy boy energy together like nothing makes me happier than um, like Wes and Angel talking about things that aren't magic like their friendship is so silly to me like they're like their their friendship separate from working because they're both just like I mean, honestly, just such dumb boys like that Angel has this like kind of like sweet uh broody himbo energy and that Wes is just an absolute dork. They're the middle of their Venn diagram is so well meaning and sweet. I uh I I always enjoy whenever they just get to chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. Uh really so nice. Gun, Wes and Fred are working on the scrolls and Angel's creeping on Cordy as I have in my notes. <laughs> Yeah, he's, like, clearly having this, like, wait, do I like her? Like, moment of, like, are we in love? Which I'm, like, (laughs) how are you this oblivious if this has, like, never crossed your mind before, you dummy? You know he's focused on work all the time. He's such a doofus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Fred's doing calculations and the world possibly ended last March. (laughs) Yeah, this is where we learn that uh, the Skrulls predict the arrival of... uh, The arrival or the arising Mm. of the Troclon, a personal being that brings about the ruination of mankind. Sounds great. Yeah, just another day at the office for our gang. And yes, ruination could also mean purification. Yeah, so like it's another tricky word, much like Shanshu, um, which, you know, ended up meaning to live and to die. Uh, And this one seems to mean quite a few possible. Cordy brings up that mistake and she actually kind of is mean about it. (laughs) She is like, let it. he he tries really hard. I think it's very clear that this isn't easy. At first, it seems like she's joking, but then like her reaction, the scene continues like she might actually be mad at him. (laughs) About, like, fucking up. Yeah, which seems to come from a, like, at least I seemed to sense that it came from this, like, protecting angel space of, like, you know, he thought he was going to die, and that's, like, fucked up, and you messed up. Like, um, Angel and Cordy are in this moment, like, so protective of each other. We, we like, uh, Darla shows up at a moment where the two of them are finally, like, they're finally so close that they're starting to notice they're close. Like, and it, it's it's an interesting kind of, like, shading in their dynamic, and, and I really like it, because it is, I mean, when when you fall for someone who is initially your friend, there is that weird middle period of, like, oh, okay, is this, like, the platonic love I hold for my friend, or is this something else? And, like, what does that feel like? And the idea that that is the exact moment that Darla shows up pregnant. Yikes. <laughs> Classic Buffy verse. And mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, they explain what the Shanshi prophecy is to Fred. Cause you know, she still has some things she needs to learn about what's going on in this world. Um, but while Angel's listening, you know, Cordy's saying what she would do if Angel, you know, became human. She's like, get him some plan. I'm taking him to the beach. Cause the boy needs some color to which, he doesn't even say anything but like he gets like that shallow angel face is like basically he's thinking she thinks i'm pale <laughs> but i I'll, whereas all i'm thinking is cordy wants a beach day like i love the idea and i i love the idea that she's immediately just like yeah i'd be there with him and i'd help him explore the like new worlds of like being able to be in the sun and i'd want to help him be a normal guy and i'd want to be a part of everything like that is Again, such a clear 
such a like it's, it's so clear that she loves him like and what however you want to define that love is you know up to you but it's so clear that she just sees them as people who are always going to be in each other's lives and i love that like our our gang's a little family and it makes me happy <laughs> you love a found family god i really do <laughs> Um, Fred does more calculations and the Troclon should be in LA right about now. But right now, Angel has to give an awkward speech to Cordelia about being a manpire. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about things. People. You know, how they relate. Take you and me, for instance. And we're very different. Very different. Obviously. Human. Empire. Woman. Man. Pyre. Has someone been putting vodka in your blood? (laughs) You're funny. Maybe Angel needs to, like, write down what he's going to say before he says it. Because technically the last time he wrote something down, it was his apology to Merle. And that was something that clearly Cordelia wrote for him. Yes. (laughs) So I don't know if he knows how to write, honestly. (laughs) We know he knows how to draw. Does he know how to write? Well, I mean, writing is just the drawing of words. (laughs) We know he knows how to read because he does that in the dark all the time. And he knows how to write. (laughs) I want to see it. But yeah, Cordy's like, Angel, are you trying to say you love me? He's like, what? I love you too. And she like tells everyone that Angel said he loves, Angel loves me and I love him. We love you, Angel. The audio of everyone being like, we love you. I, I replayed it like three times. I, the, oh my God. Again, like you and I love new girl. You and I love like sitcoms. And I I believe we share the enjoyment of a, a found family group and we do. Dang, these dummies love each other. And I I just, I basked in that. That is, uh, you know, this show doesn't always get to dwell on the um, the fun and the love because, you know, we're doing the, the dark and the, uh, you know, magical pregnancy of it all and the, you know, broody crest for redemption. But when they love each other, I just am the happiest person on the planet. And this was so dang cute. You guys love us and we love you. We, we love, love you, Angel. Angel. They were all saying it earlier. And, you know, she's like, the good I've seen out far far outweighs the bad. And he says, you know, right back at you, basically. And it's so sweet and they're cute. And then here comes Darla, baby. Ooh, hello, the worst, lover. Long time no The see. worst possible time. <laughs> Truly. These two people are being like, wow, so we love each other. We have bonds of mutual respect and we're both hot as hell what does that all add up to i'm no fred with my math skills but i would say it's that they should bone um and then <laughs> darla darla's here to show, show you what happens when you bone angel <laughs> again uh this show hates sex um <laughs> Like, I, 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 to quote Liz Lemon, sex makes the people go away. Like, it, it is. <laughs> Angel can't fuck or else something awful happens. And that is his cel- his like forced celibacy is strange. And I think we should, uh, should talk about it every once in a while because it is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Morgan. <laughs> but that said, um, like, this is when Fred's like, who is this? And Gunn reveals that they keep a chart. <laughs> um, Do you think Gunn made the chart after last season? I feel like it was a team effort. Like, I feel like it was kind of like someone had a misunderstanding. And then Gunn was like, what if this was all written down? And Wesley was like, well, if we were going to do that, we obviously have to do it right. And there has to be kind of like a system to how it's laid out. And Cordy's like, well, okay, if it's going to fit in the files, then it should be like this. And then I have a feeling that it became a group project and that everybody got involved. And that once they asked Angel for some details for the chart and he almost found out about the chart and it got very awkward for a while and they had to hide the chart. And... Now it just exists in the files. That's my personal belief. How do you feel? We do know that they like hearing his stories of back in the day, like when he was telling the whole story at the beginning of the season. So they could just be like, hey, Angel, what about this time? 
and he would tell like a, a good old fashioned story because he's an old man and old men love telling their stories mm-hmm. so but yeah uh, he could never learn of the charts <laughs> oh yeah he would be so mortified to know they had <laughs> so darla's here she is super pregnant uh, and then Cordy is no longer um, happy with Angel. In fact, she is um, mad at Angel. And she's like, hey, is this true? Did you fuck? And he, oh, he is being a real fuck boy here when he says, vampires can't have children. And she's like, that's not what I asked you. Yeah, Jesus, Angel. V- very season two Angel of him to be such a dick. Fred suggests this is that this is possibly the bad thing. Uh, I was like, what did you do to me? Punches him. Mm-hmm. And Cordy's defending her because Angel. Yeah, I mean. You got her pregnant. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, the thing, I, I love that. And I love the kind of like Cordelia and Darla dynamic in this episode. This idea that Cordelia is someone who has like intense compassion uh, for Darla and for her situation and for just how like vulnerable and afraid she is because what the fuck like normal pregnancy uh pregnancy is terrifying in my opinion there's a little person inside you like they made the alien movies because the idea of pregnancy is scary um like that's a little chest burster inside you that you will you know hopefully grow to love but um it's terrifying and poor like darla this is not supposed to be happening to her and it is like she i just can't imagine how terrifying that would be and i appreciate that cordelia instantly knows and understands that meanwhile angel's suggesting is a hysterical pregnancy uh he's been a real He's being a real Liam, honestly. Yeah, like what? I just because truly, like, what does she have to gain by being pre- like? I mean, I guess. How do you know it's mine? Basically, is what he wants to ask. Truly, like, I, I'm, I'm not impressed with Angel here. He's, he's not, not being a very good dude or a very good, uh, you know, male ally. <laughs> he and then he gets like full dummy and tells Wes to like look into his books to, for it. Wes, you read. <laughs> And Wesley opens his book and says, I have absolutely no idea what's going on. And they're still calling Lorne the host, by the way. <laughs> At this point, he's why? He's Lorne, yeah. Like, you don't have to give him a title. Yeah, he, and he's Lorne is back to work on Caritas. Mm-hmm. The Furies are there working their mojo. Mm-hmm. We got Arnie, the demon worker, who can, I guess, play back people's what the, people have said. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's a cool power to have, I guess. That's a fun power. That's good for identity fraud. Yeah, I know. I'm like, that's really good if he wants to, you know, make some cool prank phone calls. Is your refrigerator running? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I loved seeing the mm, Angel Girls. Lovely, lovely to have them back. Lovely to have the way Angel is around them back. <laughs> is it lovely to hear Cordelia call them chippies? <laughs> what the fuck's a chippy? I- don't know and i i didn't care for it <laughs> i i will say i did care deeply for darla grabbing lauren by the collars and screaming danny boy at him <laughs> and you guys didn't want angel to sing this isn't much better <laughs> uh, i fucking loved it but yeah cordelia is real over it with angel in this scene i mean angel's not making it any better by just making clear how much stamina he has Ooh. <laughs> Just once, just the one night, just the two or three one times that one night. Jesus. I mean, congrats to the both of you. But yeah, yikes. Maybe keep that those details to yourself, pal. Poor Buffy, unfortunately, didn't get to learn about Angel's stamina. <laughs> no, that was kind of just like a one-time experience. And then the sexy blood drinking, which I do kind of count as an additional sex scene for them. <laughs> <laughs> you little freak. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> There seems to be a belief that whatever is inside Darla is probably evil. Yeah, Lauren apparently knows about the Troclaw, and he's like, born out of darkness to bring darkness. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, Cordy's like, uh, you guys are upsetting her. Let me take Darla away to Lauren's l- little bedroom. We get to see his bedroom in, in, in the bar. It's cool. Yeah, it's nice. And I I really, I like the the Darla and, uh, and Cordy scene. And Lauren is... Uh, Lauren is such a dang sweetie. Basically, because, yeah, they're talking about how it's biologically impossible. And Lauren's like, yeah, it's uh, mystically unfair because if this thing is evil, like, 
what the hell? <laughs> yeah, like, Angel's worked so hard to be a force for good in this world. Like, it is not fair that, like, the fates would saddle him with some kind of, like, evil, uncontrollable spawn. Angel's like, I don't see how anything we could make could be something good. And they're talking about uh, the Shanshi prophecy uh, being a pivotal figure. And it's like, maybe, because, again, pivotal figure doesn't even mean, you know, good or bad. And that's kind of what uh, Wolfram Hart is banking on, obviously, mm-hmm. with Angel. But, like, maybe the pivotal figure is this uh, this baby. Yeah. He needs to bring it into the world or stop it. And then this is where Fred goes on about uh, destiny and things being inevitable or evitable, if you will. Screw destiny. If this evil thing comes, we'll fight it. And we'll keep fighting it until we whoop it. Because destiny is just another word for inevitable, and nothing's inevitable as long as you stand up, look it in the eye, and say, you're evitable. She's so cute, uh, and Lorne agrees. He is just, like, looking at her with hard eyes, and I'm just so, so happy. It's like uh, the dating game, and it's uh, the, the suitors are Gunn, Wesley, and Lorne. <laughs> all vying for Fred's heart. <laughs> Who will be lucky enough? <laughs> today's episode is brought to you by regal cinemas if you're anything like me you deeply enjoy going to the movies going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities i love seeing films on the big screen i also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time and of course i love eating giant buckets of popcorn If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX. There's so many ways to watch movies these days. Your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets. You will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code BUFFERING and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, Angel wants to know how Cordelia is doing. He doesn't really give a shit how Darla is doing. And how Darla is doing is, you know, not great. Uh, yeah, Cordy's bonding with her because she brings up expecting and the whole Ken Marino baby situation. So that's uh, besides the fact that she's mad at Angel. Like this is she has that experience, even though it was like a twenty four hour thing. It still ex- happened to her. Yeah, I mean, she still felt all of like the fear and the vulnerability of not only like pregnancy but magical pregnancy. That's kind of unexplained. So I, I do think it's nice, and I, I do like the idea. I also want to say that like. Angel, 
has these two women in his life that I do think he's very much like forcing into these like black and white roles. The idea that like Cordelia is good and she supports me and like she agrees with me on everything. Whereas Darla is Mm. bad and my enemy. And like I, you know, had bad evil sex with her making a bad evil baby. And whereas Cordelia is everything that is good. And when the truth is that the two these two women are more like murky and complicated than he's allowing them to be and that they can agree on things and that they can share things together i think is really exciting and is what makes the scene cool but unfortunately they do not get to bond for long <laughs> Darla says that no matter how much she feeds uh, she just can't seem to get full which that's unfortunate and uh, Courtney's like oh yeah this is still a vampire i should uh, get going uh, but I was like, I'm still a vampire. I can just kind of zoop over to you. Uh, and uh, Cordy gets her with those punches and she busts out a cross. And you know what? Vamps always push out the crosses out of the way. So like, let's stop with the crosses, people. Unless they're like around your neck. Don't no, don't hold the cross. They're just going to knock it out of your hand. Yeah, you got to like, or you have to like press the cross into their skin and make them burn and make it hurt yeah. them. Like, cause it's just not a force it. field. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like maybe some vampire mythology has it where it's like it's kind of like a force field, but that's not the case here. Yeah, I know there's uh, Michael is into the sci fi book that has like sci fi vampires where they are um, messed up by the cross only because it is an unnatural right angle and it like sends their brain into disarray upon the sight of it. But that is not the case here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Uh, but yeah, even though she puts up a good fight. Uh, Darla gets her with the, a big old chomp. And during this big old chomp, Cordelia has a vision. Uh, so that's double ouchies, basically. Double the pain. Yeah. Poor, poor Cordy. No, thank you. Um, but eventually Angel does come and uh, save her from uh, Darla, which is nice. He, he tosses this very pregnant Darla. I do love more than anything guns saying like, well, we tried to stop her by hitting her fists and feet with our faces, but it didn't work. <laughs> I was like, gun, this is serious. Not time for quips, although I love them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so Angel carries Cordy and they go back to the hotel. He Like he leaves her in a suite with gun behind to keep watch. Mm-hmm. Although I know it, it's nice to have her like at home base, but like, why not take her to her home? Because Darla can't get in if you want to keep her safe. Yeah, and Dennis would take care of her. He would. Yeah, he'd get her a nice bubble bath going and put on some trashy TV. It'd be great. But yeah. it is really sad because Cordelia is very much like blaming herself in this scene and like, you know, kind of like blaming her compassion and, you know, feeling like she let her guard down with Darla. But it's the right thing to be vulnerable and try to lead with kindness. <laughs> I love you, girl. <laughs> I do appreciate it, I guess, even though Angel's being been a doofus. I like that he says, he, he's like, I'm not going to keep telling you how sorry I am. Because obviously he knows that she should know. She was mad at him, but like she knows how sorry he is. So he's just like, she's never going to do it again. I'll make sure of that. Mm-hmm. And she she remembers to tell him about her vision, which is that it was like, she's like, it's like no vision I've ever had before. Uh, she, he, she could like feel how hungry she was and she doesn't know how to make the hunger stop. Right. Which is incredibly dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's trying to tell Angel not to do this alone? Because uh, Darla's even stronger. Uh, but, you know, Angel goes off. And what's is like, why does he think he has to do everything alone? It's like, oh, Yeah. And doesn't Fre- Fred give some, like, powerful insights about Angel as a person? And I'm like, dang, girl. She says, I think he just can't bear to have us see him do it. Because, like, he's going to kill the woman who has, like, the one thing he couldn't have, which is his child, basically. That's the plan. Yeah. Because, again, he's put... I feel like he's, like, externalized all of this evil onto Darla in this way, where, like, she's, like, the worst parts of me, anything we did together could only be bad, like, and and all of this, and, it like, that's a coping mechanism, you know, like, that's a way to continue to go about his mission, but it's... It's really sad and it, it's it's great. It's it's a beautiful like lesson to him that he ends up being wrong. Um, but we can get into that as we move forward. Yeah, as we move forward to the Chuck E. Cheese from hell. <laughs> I, I know that might be like redundant, but you know. Charles Entertainment Cheese, please. Charles Entertainment Cheddar, really. <laughs> but yeah, this kid has lost his mom, which this chaos, that's he should have known to just like go to the front desk or something, but whatever. Yeah. Come on, kid. 
But yeah, Darla decides to be a good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Cordy wakes from like her from a dream slash vision, and it's like about what's inside Darla. Uh, Darla has this moment with the kid where like a mom's like, "You're brave taking him all on your own," and she's like, "I love kids. I could just eat him up." But I'm like, "All right, Hannibal." So then uh, Darla shows her terrifying vampire face to this child. <laughs> this, this child, he could scream. He could fucking belt. Yeah, this kid is very scared and good on him. That's self-preservation. Luckily, Angel shows up and attacks this woman. <laughs> it's So meanwhile, uh, Team Angel, they're still having fun with translations. But one thing I really want to note is that in the scene, Cordial says, that uh, her vision told her why Darla's craving younger victims, which isn't something that was established actually in the episode, which, which uh, were you confused or did you even like notice that? I, I remember being like, it, it, did she say it was about like purity and like, blood well, that's what stuff? Angel says eventually, yeah. but he, here's the reason why like, it's like, wait, she's craving younger victims. Footage not found is because, so it's actually in the original script. It's only just like literally mm-hmm. they removed a single bit from the whole line. So in this episode, you say, it's as Cordelia saying, it was like no vi- uh, vision I ever had before. She's so hungry. She doesn't know how to make the hunger stop. In the original script, it was like, it wasn't like any vision I have ever had before. The innocence, she's so hungry. Oh. And that, yeah, that's originally in the script. I don't know why for some reason they cut that out. Huh. But that explains like, because otherwise you're like, Wait, she's craving younger victims? Like, I. So she's. Part- wouldn't have known. Yeah, she's particularly hungry for innocent blood. Is, yeah. yeah. Okay, wow. Yikes. <laughs> Which we don't know that that was something that she was, like, escalating to. Yeah, no one on the bus seemed particularly, like, young or innocent. So, yeah, I guess they kind of backfill it a little bit, but it it's odd. But I it, it, it didn't bother me too much because there were so many other things going on. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I'll be clear. <laughs> Yeah, Angel and Darla are fighting, and I love that everyone cleared out. Good for them. Smart on them, because, like, they're fighting on the, like, McDonald's play place plastic jungle gym slide thingy. And I did, um, I've never seen a fight on one of those before. So when (laughs) they flew up on the netting and grabbed it, I was, I was having a great time. (laughs) If this was a New York vampire show, maybe they wouldn't have, like, left when they saw these vampire faces. But L.A., they got the fuck out. Yeah, no, no one in L.A. has any time for that shit. (laughs) (laughs) The second they saw a vampire face, they're like, nope, 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 nope. (laughs) I am leaving. I am going. Like, like, these people paid for parking to be here. And they're like, this is bullshit. Like, if you leave, then you won't have to pay as much. And that's the L.A. mentality. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, so they're fighting, and she calls him the good guy who did this to me. Which honestly, is this just like just a normal pregnancy, or, or is this vampire pregnancy? What? Who can tell? Yeah, and I mean, and it's also like there's like so much baggage between the two of them beyond that. Because I mean, like she was like, you know, like brought back to life to get at him specifically, and all of this stuff. Like what he has done to her is a pretty fucking long list. So I <laughs> I appreciate the the venom there and the idea that like all of their scenes they're both such skilled actors that they do really bring their like full history to every single one of them like these do feel like people who've known each other in so many different iterations for a really long time so like mm-hmm. that way wa- that line has a ton of weight uh for me and i like it i do have to to criticize her saying that he can't strangle her because she's a vampire because we know that you can strangle a vampire apparently because of becoming part two because Spike chokes Drusilla out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's canon, baby. Yeah, we're playing fast and loose with those rules. But yeah, so fight, fight, fight. And then Angel hears the baby's heartbeat. So he doesn't kill her because that baby has a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And she wants him to kill her because, uh, you know, she's bad. She's evil. You know, everything Faith said when she wanted Angel to kill her. I know. I was like, her. hello, Faith. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's uh, but she has a baby in her also. And... Uh, and he's like, it has a soul. And she's like, I don't want a human baby with a soul. No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, she didn't want him with a soul. And he's still a vampire. So why would she want a human baby with a soul? No, thank you at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like, very, very Juno of him. He finds out his baby has fingernails. And he he doesn't look back. And it's it like the way he holds her and like ass- kind of like reassures her as she falls apart. And, you know, she's saying she's bad and she doesn't want it. Like... It is kind of like a really 
it's it's a very poignant moment. Like there's a lot going on there because obviously like for Darla, this is like an unwanted pregnancy and that's like pretty horrifying. And Angel's like, well, I want the baby. So, Um, which, you know, I mean, like the optics of that maybe are less than ideal. But also there's the Mm -hmm. fact that I don't think they would know how to get rid of this baby at this point um now that we're this yeah, deep in. she tried already and failed um but yeah i still don't get the, the craving pure and pure blood but i do get the that the baby soul is kind of driving her crazy part that makes sense that i love the idea that like they inadvertently like created this thing together like that they're I mean, and, and this is talking like bigger things for the season, but the idea that like if together they've created something with a soul, something with a, the potential to be positive and good in this world, that that can kind of justify their existence in a weird way and can kind of you know, maybe make their lives uh like more worthwhile is uh, cool to me and interesting and complicated, which is what I like about Angel is how it is. It feels so much more adult than Buffy could. This is not a story they would have done. Like I, I love all the coming of age stories that Buffy like handles and tells. And it, it, it talks about so many things about early life and meant so much to me in my early life and still does. But it is really exciting to be watching Angel now that I feel like I'm a little bit more of a grown up. Uh, even though you're a grown up living in LA, this is a perfect show for you. Can you believe it? I don't believe that I'm a grown up living in LA, but I guess I, by definition, am. <laughs> Thank you very much for inviting me on at the absolute perfect time for me to be watching Angel uh, and really like kind of getting it for the first time because this. This hit really hard. It's good. Uh, season three slaps, baby. Yeah, baby. I, I'm just going to say it because I've decided we're going to have a feud with the buffering gals. <laughs> oh, no. We're on the same feed. You know what? I think we're having more fun this season. I'm just going to say it. Look, more fun than season six of Buffy? <laughs> yeah, suckers. Notoriously the funnest season of Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> the feud is on in 2021. <laughs> Yeah, feud colon Jenny and Kristen and Latoya and Morgan. <laughs> Wait till Ryan Murphy gets his hands on this. To all of our Scoobies, please uh, cast this season of Ryan Murphy's feud for us. Please cast us as Ryan Murphy alum. Please, actually, yeah, honestly, there's nothing more that I want than that. So please do that. Uh, but back at the hotel, Angel is giving Darla some pig's blood, and she's like, this is shit, and she throws it at the wall, as every vampire does when Angel's like, here, have some pig's blood. <laughs> Truly the worst host on earth. <laughs> this is where Darla asks how Cordelia is. That hot bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what a bitch, how's Cordy? Like, so fucking menacing. <laughs> I-, I do uh, love that uh, come the series Angel, everyone just decided that we all know that her nickname is Cordy. I love it. It's so cute. I believe literally she was maybe called Cordy twice in Buffy. Mm-hmm. I think actually maybe even just once. I think Buffy called her Cordy and I think usually like Xander would like call her Core, but I don't think anything. I think yeah. he called her Cordy. I can hear Cordy in Nicholas Brendan's voice in my ear, which makes me believe that it happened, but I could have <laughs> invented that. Angel has his gun keeping watch again, this time on Darla, and this is to keep uh, her away from Cordy and Fred. Mm-hmm. And of course, Angel reminds Cordy and Fred to stay away from Darla, and they're like, no duh. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that, like, Angel has made these decisions that, like, you know, he believes, like, Darla is someone worth, like, saving and that this baby is worth having, and he's made that complete change. But he still draws the line where he's like, gun, if she's you know, moving, you take care of it. Like, that that the idea that, like, he still is protecting his, like, his family, you know, Team Angel above all, I I like to see that. But that is what I like to see. <laughs> now that uh, Cordelia has, you know, been through this, she she's been able to process. She is actually, like, kind of happy for Angel that he's going to be a father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a nice look on on the two of them that they can kind of like accept each other after uh, having this big difference of opinion. 
<laughs> difference of opinion the opinion that you told me that you didn't fuck her but you did it's like yeah it's less of a difference than opinion more that angel was being a dick and being dumb and now he has come around to feeling bad about being a dick and being dumb and now he and Cordier are yet again on the same page chiramption oh that's what chiramption will do <laughs> but yeah it's a, another uh big fun day at angel investigations uh honestly wesley is trying to be like this baby could be the prophecy thing and angel's like you know what it's my kid shut up wesley yeah like it could be evil but it's mine like and that's you know like that is that's a big deal like he is claiming this child and you know being responsible and that's like i don't know that's just such a he didn't even know he was a dad like 12 hours ago wild and now and now Fred's uh-ohing because another fun translation uh, arrived slash to come to land and the thing is arriving now underground. A demon we've never seen before is awakening something or someone. He's like, arise! (laughs) And in true um, Buffyverse fashion, he says arise one last time and then he like waits multiple beats for the thing to actually arise. And he's like smoking a ciggy, Mm -hmm. waiting for it. I'm just like, these prophecies, man. And then we get some lights and sounds. Statue opens then... its eyes. <laughs> you, know, you know when statues be opening in their eyes? That's when you know the real shit's going down. And it shatters. And then, welcome to the 21st century. It's Holt, ready to kill Angelus. Oh, no. And now, <laughs> it's time for Fuck Watch. <laughs> So yours is Holtz, 100%, right? (laughs) No. My fuck watch is actually the inattentive mom who let her child run away. And then when the child is found, she's like, where were you? Like, not worried at all that her child was missing in this chaos and, like, this den of, like, child predators. And may I ask, why? (laughs) I mean, you know what? She seems like she doesn't give a fuck about her child, and that can be hot. (laughs) It means when I'm coming around, I don't have to worry about her dumb kid because the kid's not there. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. (laughs) Okay, okay, respect. We're never going to see her again, so I can choose her. Respect, respect. I'm going to choose Darla's hot henchwomen with their, like, flaming arrows and their, like, cool period dresses with, like, long skirts and shit kicking ass. I, that's, that is my deal. That is what's up. More. So you knew from, like, scene one what you wanted? I, it's more like looking back. I'm like, what got me the most excited? And I'm like, those fucking, like, crimson peak looking girls, like, beating the shit out of people. Like, that's that's all i could ever ask for and they were willing to die for darla which same so we have that in common but yeah holtz is here He's ready to kill Angelus. And, you know, like, the demon's like, you know, you haven't used your limbs in centuries. It could be a while. He's like, I'm ready to kill Angelus now. Let's fucking go. Yeah, he. this guy is nothing if not, like, really, really focused on his goals. So, you again, as always, as I said before, I admire the hustle, if nothing else. I think it is time to suggest a classic episode from the WB Vault for Angel to watch this episode because... God, he really needs it this episode. Hit the music. Angel is a vampire. Does he even like TV? I think he'll like the WB. <laughs> they got that hot teen drama to ease the pain and trauma. And here's the episode that he needs to see. Thanks for hating the music. Um, so the episode I'm going to suggest is actually from a show called Smallville. Heard of it? Wait, 
you're recommending a Smallville episode? I didn't even know you I- liked that show. <laughs> what? <laughs> so somehow I've not recommended Smallville yet, and I double checked. That's impressive. Yeah. So the episode I am going to uh, suggest is uh, Ageless, which is Smallville episode of season four. Episode 20, you know, 420, blaze it, um, <laughs> written and directed by Stephen S. Knight, who would go on, I believe, to start writing on Angel in season four, actually. Hell yes. This is uh, also known as the exploding baby episode. <laughs> Clark and Lana discover an abandoned baby and take him back to the Kent farm. However, when the baby, Evan, ages from a newborn to a seven-year-old, in less than a day, it becomes clear he is aging at a rapid rate, and they turn to Lex for help. And you know what? <sighs> This kid just keeps growing, and he keeps growing. But you know what happens at the end of that? He goes boom. Oof. And, you know, maybe Angel should watch this episode to learn how to be a better dad, because it seems that dumbass Clark Kent was a better dad in these few hours than Angel already is now when Darla comes here and says, you're a dad. Um, Learn to take responsibility, because this 17-year-old boy did when he found a baby just in the street or wherever they found the baby. And uh, you know what? He was really sad when it exploded. Um, he never addressed it ever again, but he was really sad when it exploded. Aw. R.I.P. Sploden baby. Usually I would not suggest going to Clark Kent or Lana Lang for advice on things, um, except for how to be a big dumb alien <laughs> or how to whisper that uh, your boyfriend should tell you his secrets. Uh, but in this case, I think they took care of that baby as, as well as they could for, you know, teenagers as opposed to this 240 something year old man who at the sight of a, a baby mama he's like it's not mine uh i'm gonna kill you uh it was just the one time so yeah yeah not angel. ideal buddy <laughs> somebody save you angel mm-hmm. okay it's plugs time i believe yes follow us on twitter and instagram at angel on top cast email us at angel on top podcast at gmail.com go to angel on top.com immediately which will direct you to our patreon which is going to be popping soon because of morgan ludage over here yeah baby uh some exciting things coming in that space so please stay tuned as i learn how to use it and create content for it <laughs> yeah you can all thank morgan miss ludage if you're nasty <laughs> and you may be <laughs> And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at LaFergs, and from there, you can find out what I'm up to. <laughs> it's usually pretty cool. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lorgan Mudich, uh, Instagram on the same handle, and any other platform you might be interested in following me on. I always use that username. And you can listen to the two of us, as long as our, as well as our good friend, Jill, on the Empire Diaries podcast, which actually has a new patreon you can subscribe to if you're interested become patrons on all of our platforms now immediately follow us on social media do it let us consume your lives (laughs) get rid of all of your other hobbies pledge loyalty to us in the war against buffering the vampire slayer (laughs) feud colon Kristen and jenny and latoya and morgan (laughs) get it made (laughs) okay bye everyone we love you love you Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of Go Kid Go and a mom to two kids. Join my family on the story train with Calm Conductor Birdie each night as we travel through the magic rainbow tunnel to everywhere and anywhere to find the best bedtime stories. Search for Story Train on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 